Hey guys, welcome to season one, episode three of Southern Charm. More honeys, a deep dive into Southern Charm. 10 years too late or maybe right in time because as I've said, it is so much better when you are looking back at this now. So I have to say a little bit of cross-promotion. I have another podcast called Wine and Weed Wednesdays, which we will be launching soon. It's been in the making for a very long time. And um, we recorded that earlier today. And I've been working on this episode for you since then. And I kind of really want to smoke a little weed um, and have a beer. So I'm going to do that through this episode And who knows, maybe the comments will get a little bit more loose. We'll see. So episode three, it is called In the Cups, which is a Charleston saying for drinking, which I love. It's like, oh, he's been in the cups. I'm totally into it. Okay, so the description of the episode is that Catherine is the talk of the town after some unexpected news. Now, remember last time. The end of episode two, it was very Catherine had slept with Shep and Craig was really upset. So that's where we lost with Catherine. And let like she's not even a cast member at this stage. I mean, way to insert yourself into a reality TV show and just become the main storyline. She really knows how to do this. She really does. Okay, so... Catherine makes herself some toast. This is how we're starting the episode. And she's talking about starting her career. Um, She explains again that she's not a trust fund kid. And she gets into her car and she calls her mum. She says she's nervous because she quit her job, which was a steady income. And her mum says, well, you know, um, if it doesn't happen, it's just not meant to be. And Cameron says, but mum, if it's not meant to be, then I am broke. Say a little prayer. Um... I mean, sure, if this doesn't happen, you need to look at another career path, maybe, but you're getting paid to be on this show. This isn't your first reality show. For some reason, I think real estate's not Cameron's end goal, but um, this was filmed a while ago, and they certainly, I mean, they've only started to break fourth walls now. They certainly weren't breaking them back in season one of Southern Charm, which, by the way, I refuse to look up the year. Because I I just like to think it's roughly 10 years ago. I don't even know how many seasons. Like, I've done so little research apart from being a fan, loving the show since the beginning. And now I'm like, let's go back. Let's relive it. And we're all going to learn at the same time. You probably know more. You're probably, ugh, whatever. Okay. That was my beer. So Cameron shows up at a big building and meets some real estate lady um, and they're walking through and she's like, this is a pre-revolutionary building. So this real estate company focuses on luxury homes. And when the lady asks Cameron in her job interview, why real estate? She says that she has lived all over the country and always ends up back here. And she just wants to share her passion of Charleston. Lady asks her if she has a job, and Cameron's so flustered. She's like, "Well, I no, I don't have a job. I quit two weeks ago." It's like, "Oh my god!" There's a better way to ha- like, just be like, 
well, you know, I just finished up my last position so that I could look into real estate full time and really find something that was the best match for me. You don't like she handled this interview so terribly. Um, so she asked her if she was tough and Cameron like winces. Um, and the lady tells Cameron that she looks a little fragile to her. And in Cameron's talking head, she says, you know, I know that I'm totally bumming right now, but thankfully, thankfully my mom gave me etiquette classes and I can charm the pants off of anyone. So Cameron says, well, if real estate is that stressful, it hasn't not affected you physically at all. And she's just complimenting this lady and how she looks. Um, the lady says that she sees something in Cameron that reminds her of herself. Um, it's the shy, nervous energy. Anyway, she is going to give her a three-month trial. Um, she'd like to take her through a historic home to give her a bit of an idea of how to show one of the homes. And if it all works out, then they'll make the position permanent. In the next scene, Danny and Shep are going to lunch. Um, Danny is going to try the tomato pie. Shep says that's disgusting. Um, and he orders a chicken fajita with no tomatoes and no peppers. Um, and Danny says, I didn't know that you didn't like tomatoes. And Shep says that he doesn't like pickles, honey mustard, or tomatoes. And Danny said, oh my God, that's why we didn't work. Cause you know how they used to date. And Shep says in his talking head, that they had a really good relationship for about four months. She was wanting the relationship to go further and further, and Shep was just like, oh, God, I don't want that. Anyway, back in, and Shep says, oh, sorry, Danny says to Shep, isn't it your philosophy that, like, in 20 years, no one will be married anymore? And Shep said, no, 100 years, marriage might be obsolete. Um, people think that marriage ruins everything. Danny said, can I be honest with you? He goes, sure. And she says, when we were together, the reason that we didn't work out is that you, in- that you were inherently in a place that you didn't want to settle down. You're getting older. You need to embrace the fact that you're getting older. Because I think with MJ, if you really like her and respect her as a person, you're going to be in the same situation as you were with me. You need to sacrifice and that's your problem. And Shep says, if I need to sacrifice chasing girls and having fun, I'm going to need attention and back rubs. And this is what he says to every girl. Remember when he was saying to Jenna, like, I need so much. Oh, no, it was MJ. Whoever it was, like, I need attention and back rubs all the time. Ugh, vomit. Um, anyway, Danny says, and you're not getting that at all? And Shep said, none. And Danny said, well, you guys haven't been seeing each other that long. And Shep said, yeah, but the t- the time is ticking. The clock is ticking. Um, and he says that I'm just telling you men are as faithful as their options. And she like shakes her head a little bit. And then we cut to Thomas's house. He opens the house to some blonde lady and says, bonjour. And she says, Thomas. I did the talking head. He says that Beatrice has been his French professor for a couple of years. <coughs> that he has lived in France and that he believes a southern, a real southern gentleman should be a man of the world. And then she asks him, what made you decide to learn French? And he said, um, oh, okay, sorry. 
So she then, you know, we cut back to the scene and she asks him, what made you decide to learn French? Which makes me feel like she hasn't been your professor for a couple of years straight if she's asking what made you decide to learn French. Anyway, or at least not consistently. His accent is horrific. Uh, One of the things that you realize when you're living abroad is when you know English speakers who are like I can speak Spanish or whatever the language might be and they're like have this horrific accent um which is like it's just like you know the Spanglish version of Spanish um so he's doing that in French it's very Luan Deliceps okay um so in the talking head, he says, Danny and I have been out a couple of times and she agreed to go out with me again. So I decided to take her to the best French French restaurant in Charleston. I'm hoping that tonight will be the night she falls for the old T-Rav charm. Um, and then he, t- <laughs> such a weird scene. He tells the teacher that he's interested in a girl and she asks, oh, for how long? And You've been seeing each other and she asks how old she is. This is all in English, by the way, where they started the lesson only speaking in French. Um, he says she's 29, a little younger than him, and the teacher looks horrified <laughs> at how young she is. Um, and then he asks her in French what she would recommend. And she recommends to be really, really soft about it. Don't be too pushy. And he says he's not getting any younger. He's at the point where he wants to settle down. And the teacher says, make sure she has feelings for you. It is the strangest fucking scene. Okay, then Shep and Danny, we cut back to them at lunch. They're still there. Danny says that she has gotten herself into a jam and she would love Shep's insight. Um, That on Sunday, Thomas asked her to a barbecue and she kind of thought it would be a bunch of people. And it ended up being more of a couple situation. Shep's like, okay, Danny said, and he tried to kiss me at the end of the night and it ended up a little awkward. Um, and then the editors are so good. They then show the scene of him getting denied, which they love to show. So they cut us that and they keep cutting it off. So they'll show him trying to awkwardly kiss her, her like get out of it and like give him like a side tap hug. And then, um, it cuts to his talking head of the interview where he goes, I blew it. And he has a sad face. And straight after I blew it, that's where they cut it each time. It's phenomenal. Um, Shep is not happy. And she says, I mean, he asked me to go to dinner. We both have a love of horses. I really respect him as a person. And Shep is just dead eyed glare going, yeah. But he's not even moving his mouth as he's saying, yeah. Um, Danny says, he's a great guy. You know him. And Shep says, he caught a bad break. Danny said, he did. And Shep said, I mean, he put himself in that position. And then cuts the talking head. um, And Shep saying that Thomas was the state treasurer. And he went from one of the most prominent families in Charleston. Um, And you can't. Oh, he's from one of the most prominent families in Charleston and you cannot have big parties when you're in public office with drugs. Um, you will fall. Cuts back to the scene and Shep says, you don't want the guy you're dating to be Googled and easily referenced. 
And Danny says, I know I have my family in the back of my mind. Shep's talking head. He says, Danny comes from a very nice family and I don't think she should be seen getting involved with someone like Thomas. And then he says to her, bring it up and say, I just want to clear the air about the kiss goodnight. And Danny's like, oh, you know, she really doesn't want to talk about it with T-Rab at all. And Shep says, frame it like, you know, I want to be your friend. I respect and like you and we hang out and I give you advice and you give me advice. Like try to frame it like that. Does that make sense? And Danny says, yeah. Um, And Shep's like, it'll just be like ripping a bandaid off. And then we cut to Thomas and JD on a boat. And JD's saying, so you're going to let Craig use the boat, huh? And Thomas says, yeah, he seems trustworthy. And then I think he says Charlie, but whatever he says. So where is Charlie? And JD says, Charlie, or whatever the child's name is, is at home with the nanny. And Thomas says, one day I'll get to experience the joy of child rearing. So see, this is the thing is that Thomas, like, why would Charlie be there? He, JD and Craig are drinking, about to drink beer on a boat. Why would JD bring just one of the children? Like pick a child and bring, like, he only brought up the child so that he could talk about him wanting to have children. This is the thing with Thomas Revenant, like everything is so calculated and he, he seems dumb and I think that he is, um, he's like no he is dumb he's not smart enough to know what he's doing um but he wanted to talk about himself so he named one of the children um but he doesn't care is my point anyway jd says we'll get you signed up we'll get you a wife we'll get you in one a days two a days and thomas says what are one a days and two a days and jd says that's how you work out to make babies thomas Oh, you're looking at that schedule when they ovulate and they're both laughing. <laughs> and then Thomas's talking head says, most political figures have a family. I don't have a wife or a dog. It's like this whole sob story about Thomas not having a wife. That's his whole story. Ugh. Anyway, <clears throat> sorry, Craig arrives um, and he looks a little bit overdressed to be on a boat ride. Thomas calls that out and Craig says, I work all day. Um, JD, what's up, you lady chasing son of a gun? JD is the weirdest character, truly. Um, Craig says that a lot of, he says to Thomas, a lot of my friends had boats, but I never had one because of the upkeep. I kind of heard it was a lot of, I kind of heard it was a lot of money to keep it running. Um, that's not why you don't have a boat, Craig. I mean, in a sense it is because you can't afford the upkeep, but you can't afford to buy the boat in the first place and you're making it sound as though you can, but it's just not a fiscally smart move um, based on the cost of upkeeping a boat, but that's not the reason that you don't have one. Um, it just rubs me the wrong way. Anyway, Thomas says, but he, I mean, he agrees. He goes, the best days of owning a boat are the day you buy it and the day you sell it. it otherwise, it's just a pool that you throw money into. Um, and then he says, let's talk about some fun stuff. And Craig is explaining um, that he wants to use the boat to impress girls and asks what Thomas's experience with women is owning the boat. 
And Thomas says, put it this way, if you're here in the boat, you don't even have to leave. You could probably score without untying the boat. Um, don't, don't take Shep around that. And Craig says, yeah, Shep would be, I'm, I'm never introducing Shep to a girl I know again. And JD says, what happened? And Craig says, he sneaked in quick. The girl is usually not used to the guy running away. They're really used to guys pursuing them all night. So I left and she, (laughs) and she's like, I mean, Oh, sorry. He's just a little bit rambling there. And he says, you have to keep them on edge. Like, you know, be something different. Um, And his friends know not to hook up with her because he likes her. But Shep slept with her that night. And he was, and and Shep was like, what? You left. (laughs) And Craig says, he's like, dude, you're killing my game. Anyway, it cuts to JD's talking head and he says, this town is getting very small. I think he's talking about Catherine, but but Thomas was just with Catherine. So Catherine, I, I am not here to slut shame you. Sleep around all that you want, honey. My thing is you can't expect them to want to date you or uh, sorry. You can expect them to want to date you, absolutely. But you can't expect them to think that this would be anything additional if you're sleeping with people too. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you can't hold guys to one standard while you're gallivanting around. And please gallivant. You should while you're single. Um, JD says, send Craig in to warm him up and Shep in to close him. And then Thomas's talking head says that Craig didn't need to know about his night with Catherine. Um, he's looking at Danny and a Southern gentleman doesn't discuss those matters. Then we cut to Thomas getting ready in his house and he's practicing French in the mirror shirtless. Um, and I always like to think, what the fuck are the cameramen thinking? Um, so Thomas is getting ready. He's in his room practicing how to order bottles of red wine. The best bottle you have in French. And he's in a towel. Um, and he had Beatrice over to teach him French for the first time in God knows how long, right? He's going to take Danny to a French restaurant. And his entire plan is getting and getting her to like essentially settle down and marry him is to order food in a restaurant in the middle of America's South in French with the most atrocious English accent available. Um, like this is the level like this is he's like this. This is how I think I'll hook her. And meanwhile, Danny's had a meeting with a friend during the week about how to let him down nicely. They're on different chapters okay so he has monochrome towels because of course he does um then thomas is waiting at the restaurant and danny arrives and she is sopping wet like she walked to the restaurant and didn't have an umbrella and i was like why don't you just get an uber but then i remembered that ubers didn't probably exist no they wouldn't have anyway so she is sopping wet this poor girl she's showing up to film her entire like her hair is wet or like completely she looks gorgeous lucky her hair sitting nicely it has that beach wave she's got naturally beautiful waves but oh my god i would be devastated if i had gotten all glam and then headed out to shoot for a tv show and you arrive like a drowned 
rap. The poor thing. Anyway, Thomas gives her a hug and a kiss, and she tries to, like, side hug it, and it's very awkward, and she goes, I got a little rained on. And then the (laughs) the waiter opens a bottle of wine, and Thomas says, he's from the same region of France that I am. And nothing annoys me more than when people (laughs) say that they're from somewhere that they're not. Like, this happens a lot. Like, okay, so, Thomas, you can't have your family be the founding fathers of America, as you claim, or founding fathers of Charleston, um, at the same time as being from a certain region in France. Like, sure, your great-great-great-great-grandparents maybe were from there, but you you weren't born in France. You didn't grow up in France. Your parents weren't born in France. You're not French, Okay like it's like when people like oh i'm irish and i'm like you've never been to ireland you're sixth generation nebraskan jim bob like you're you're not french thomas okay you're from french you are of french descent and according to my 23 me i am too i'm not walking around being like oh me and this waiter are from the same the the waiter can't speak english how are you the same anyway the waiter speaks to thomas in french because i believe thomas has told him to do this ahead of time because he was there before Danny. Had to have a sip of my beer. I'm so parched. I didn't really, I finished my notes and I was like, I'll just knock out the episode. And um, I didn't really prepare, so I'm sorry. Anyway, do you, and Danny goes, do you know what they're saying or are you just nodding? And he goes, absolument, absolument. And she's like rolling her eyes and it goes to Thomas's talking head. And he's like, I've never had to work this hard for a girl, but I'm going to try my best to sweep her off her feet tonight. And Thomas like looks at her necklace and he's like, is that part of your shirt? And she's like, no, it's a necklace. And he goes, may I? And then he like touches it and she's like, would you like to wear it? It's the weirdest fucking thing. It's like a, such a boomer meets millennial moment. Um, and then he cheers as to the pleasure of her company. And then Danny goes, so what are your thoughts after Sunday? And Tom, Thomas is like, oh, you mean that little thing there? And the editors are so savage that again, they show us the scene of him trying to kiss her, getting rejected. And then his talking head where he says, I blew it. And then sad face. Oh, God. Um, so good. Then he says, I mean, I didn't really want to get into it, but, um, I mean, I, you know, just lay it on the line here. And Danny said, I think we should talk about it because I don't want there to be this. And Thomas says, I think that you know that I would be interested in getting to know you a little better. That's all. And Danny nods her head. And then she says, I, you know, I value your friendship. I really do. I mean, we have so much in common. I like our interactions and I don't want to give you the wrong idea. We are friends. I would like to keep it that way. And Thomas goes, I'm just curious though. What are you kind of looking for in a man? Which is like, what? She's just denied you. Like, why is he like, what is it that you're looking for in a man? And his eyes get really like scary. Like there's definitely some bodies in the basement. He's definitely in the cool guy club there i'm like it's it's a really weird change in demeanor um 
And then Danny goes, our situation, I feel as though there is your conviction. Um, and to date, I would think about my family in the back of my head. And I know that shouldn't weigh on me. And Thomas says, but it does. And she goes, it does, at least right now. And so you kind of feel sad for Thomas in that moment. It goes to his talking head and he's like, I feel humiliated. I realize that her viewpoint is, viewpoint is representative of a lot of people out there. And Danny says, I do not want you to feel uncomfortable around me by any means. And Thomas does this smile, this sad smile. And she goes, now you do feel uncomfortable. And he goes, you can tell that. And then in his talking head, he said, it's going to take a special woman to get over my past. And in this scene, you really do feel sorry for Thomas. And I mean, we know like, yeah, he has, I don't today. Okay. I think he's a terrible person, but based on the knowledge that you have season one, episode three, at this point, you're like, God, I kind of feel sorry for him. Like, you know, all these people are partying, you know, for sure, most of them are taking coke and a lot of people do take recreational drugs when they're partying at some point in their life and he happened to get caught for it and I mean he got a slap on the wrist sentence like he's very very lucky that it wasn't worse but in his way his world has kind of crumbled because he can't even date in this town because everything is about which family you're from and it's also foo-foo anyway you know, let's not feel too bad for him. Um, then Thomas is driving and he calls Shep. He says that he's headed out to his country place and he wants Shep to go fishing. Um, and then in Tom, in his talking head, Thomas says that he wants to pick Shep's brain about why Danny decided not to date him. But she, I feel like, what are you talking about? She was so honest. What questions could you have? Anyway, then Whitney, Whitney's assistant and Cameron arrive at Jenna's house and they're all saying how large it is from the outside and Cameron's teaching them about painting ceilings blue like she's like, oh, did you know in Charleston, like she learned a little fact yesterday Um, and then in her talking head, she described the home like she was, like it was a property video Um, and then in the in Jenna's talking head she says growing up we didn't have a lot of money so it's nice to be able to afford things like this it's like okay but how do you afford it Jenna um they're taking a tour of the house and Whitney's assistant just says like one dumb thing after another and in Cameron's talking head she's like oh my god um and she goes I think Whitney hired Brandy as a personal assistant because she is young and pretty but I don't know how much actual personal assisting she is doing for him and she says I know I could not afford to live in a house like this on my own I don't know how Jenna does necessarily but in the south we don't talk about money then they all sit outside the pool and Whitney's teaching them the proper way to open a champagne bottle because he knows someone who knows someone who knows someone who wrote all of the James Bond movies and this is how James Bond would open a champagne bottle and like how exhausting you imagine he probably does this every time he opens up a champagne bottle I mean how many times has this poor assistant even though she doesn't work at all 
and her job's bullshit. How many times has this poor lady been subjected to this story about knowing someone who knows someone who knows someone who wrote the James Bond movies and this is how James Bond would open a show? Like, oh my God, <sighs> kill me. I mean, it's almost worthwhile getting paid. Like, oh, maybe she is working really hard. Anyway, so he does this, and it's like this really anticlimactic thing where, like, it doesn't even make a sound. And Cameron goes, yeah, that's boring, Whitney. Nobody likes that, (laughs) which I loved her for. And then Cameron says to Brandy, who's the the assistant's name, I guess we know now. Um, I was telling Whitney the other day, I don't know how he works around you and is not in love with you. She is stirring the pot. And Brandy says, oh, you can't mix business with pleasure. And in Jenna's talking head, Whitney, um, she gives Whitney and his assistant with, you know, talking marks, um, are staying at his mom's house if Brandy is sleeping in the same room as him, she is really taking her job seriously. And then they cut back to the scene and Brandy goes, how do you afford this place? This is huge. Like no class whatsoever. And then in Cameron's talking head, she goes, a part of me really wants to know. And Jenna goes, with my bank account, how do you afford your place? And Brandy says, working. Now that would have been an incredible comeback if Brandy actually worked. And Jenna says, yeah, same thing. And Brandy Brandy does not stop. She goes, what do you do? And Jenna said, I do investment stuff. Okay, like investment, like you invest in things. And then Jenna goes, what do you mean? She goes, well, I'm just wondering what you do. And Jenna said, yeah, I invest in things. And Brandy's like, nice, like, She's this girl does not have a job, and Brittany. Then it goes to Whitney's talking head, and he says investment, like yeah, I just invest in things. Like, that's a bit sketchy. Um, he said I do know that she has a really rich older boyfriend, and I'm assuming that her boyfriend helps her with the rent. Just come out and say it though. I mean, I wish I had a rich boyfriend paying my way through life. Although I'd probably have to fuck him, and I wouldn't like that. Okay, Whitney is so salty, like, oh, I wish I could have a rich boyfriend just paying my way in life. Who do you fuck do you think your mother is? All your mother does is pay your way through life. How is this any different just because you were born out of the correct womb and it's not that you married into it? How like, you, you, you have done nothing, nothing to be in the position that you are in today, Whitney. It's season one, episode three. We can argue that you have built a small character for yourself via 10 years of reality television but at this point you have done absolutely nothing to be where you are anyway then jenna says what do you do which is great and brandy doesn't even she forgets that she is pretending to be whitney's assistant she says right now i'm a fashion major and i'll lay and then in Jenna's talking head, she says, it's not really anyone's business how I can afford my home. If I wasn't a Southern woman with good manners, I'd tell her to fuck off. And then we cut to Shep arriving at Thomas's plantation. And in Shep's talking head, he says, I grew up on the islands in South Carolina. I love fishing. And I'm hoping Thomas doesn't want to talk about Danny. I hate awkward and weird situations. 
So I'm just going to play dumb and pretend like I don't know anything. And they go out on this little fishing boat. And Thomas asks, you know, should we cast out with live shrimp? Or he's like pretending to care for a second. And then he's like, actually, you can just do it, Chef. Shep, you know more about this than I do. Um, and then in Shep's talking head, he says, even though on paper, Thomas and I are from similar ilk, we are actually quite different. <coughs> Sorry. I am way more of an outs- outdoorsman and he's into his political career and I hate politics. And I think that all politicians are horrible human beings for the most part, which yeah, you're right, Shep. Anyway, they catch nothing with these nets, so they swap over to rods, and they're like, these are nice rods. They catch a little baby shark, which isn't enough for anything. And then they catch, they still catch nothing with the rods, so Thomas stops and he asks Shep, you know, do you want to stop? Do you want to keep going? I mean, I think we can finish the fishing for film. Um... And um, and Shep actually says something really funny. Sorry, I'm trying to find it here. Oh, he goes, you know me. My specialty is giving up any pursuit in the face of adversity, which I loved. And they realize that they're related because Thomas's grandmother was a Boykin, which is Shep's family name. And Thomas says that, you know, Shep's like, oh, it's so nice you got this place out here and you can sort of escape from the city. And Thomas said, yeah, downtown Charleston gets me in trouble. Um, And he says, I think people see me, they know me, they think, okay, you get close to him, you're going to get near the fire. I have friends of mine that have kept their distance from me. I went from being a rising person in the Republican Party to the lowest form of vermin. And Shep goes, I wouldn't go that far, man. And Thomas said, I don't think I'm being paranoid. Even your old girlfriend wouldn't go out with me because I'm a convicted felon. And Shep's talking and he's like, shit, he's going to have to address this, right? And so he goes, you know, I went to lunch with Danny the day that you were going to dinner with her and we talked about it a little bit. I gotta be honest, I was just like, walk away. I mean, no offense to you. I know that you invited me out here fishing. I'm not trying to, I'm just trying to be honest. And Thomas says, yeah, she said she won't go out with me. Oh, she won't go out with me because of my felony possession. And that kind of bothered me a bit. And Shep said, well, you know, that's a reality. I mean, what are you gonna do? (laughs) She would be putting herself through shit by association. Which, like, Shep is just being brutal right now. And then Thomas says, I mean, what's your take on me? You've seen me, you know me. I mean, am I that? And Shep said, no, you're good, man. But, I mean, outside the sphere of South Carolina. No one gives a shit, but people people do here. And he goes, cocaine, man, it makes people crazy. That word does. They think... Um, that's why I think your political aspirations, although noble, in your heart, you know, it's going to be real tough. You've got this stigma. And Thomas said, but I mean, to hell with that. This is my hometown. I got this. This place is in my blood. And Shep said, what's the worst thing that could happen in your mind? 
Like, he's trying to convince him, like, man, I don't think you should put yourself out there publicly and run for office. Like, you get in trouble for this, like, anything can be called out. Like, you went to prison with a felony conviction of trying to distribute cocaine, which just was only because you had a decent amount of cocaine with you, right? Which was enough to be intent to distribute. We all know how it works with these fucking bullshit war on drug convictions is like have a little bit more weed or whatever than you should and suddenly you're a dealer. We know it was all of that, but like you can't go into, you can't go back into politics. Um, anyway, so Shep asks, what do you think is the worst thing that could happen? And Thomas says, nothing. They've already put me in prison. They've already taken my reputation. There is nothing I can lose. And in Shep's talking head, he says, everybody does things that can be self-destructive. And a lot of the time you don't get caught. And he got caught and he did his time and he owns it, man. He walks with his head held high and you've got to respect that. And Shep said, I'll be watching and I'll... It will be entertaining and I will vote for you. So, I mean, it is kind of sad in that sense. Like what Shep's saying is like everyone parties. He unfortunately got caught and yeah, it's tarnished his family name. Like they just live in this bubble world. It's so strange. Anyway, Whitney's mother is getting ready in the house and her personal chef opens this big box and it's the rarest Birkin bag in the world. And it's a pink one. And it, she goes, I have something just the thing to go with this and pulls out a pink revolver from her vanity drawer. And he's like, that's not real, is it? And she's like, you bet your two cahooties. It's a 38. Anyway, Jenna's in her car. She calls Craig to invite him to this pool party and he says he doesn't want to be around Shep, so he'll pass. Um, and he says, he explains, you know, Shep and the Catherine thing and Jenna's like, this fight is so stupid. You cannot claim a girl. These guys are being so douchey right now. And honestly, good point. And then we are at Jenna's housewarming party and in her talking head, she says, I pride myself on having really eclectic friends. It doesn't matter if you are rich or poor, you could be the, the door to guy at a, the door guy at a restaurant or Thomas Ravenel. It's all about having fun. And Thomas arrives with JD and Thomas is wasted. And he says that he was in the cups. <laughs> which is the name of the episode um and then danny arrives and thomas is like oh here comes dan i and she hugs him and he asks oh you didn't bring a date and she's like no and he's like why not he's so awkward and then thomas dances with cameron he dips her she's trying to get out of the dance he's like no no and he's pulling her back because he hasn't finished the dance and he needs to do the finishing move and then Cameron's talking head. She says, I think Thomas is a little depressed. He's definitely intoxicated. And cuts to Thomas doing an old white man dance. Um, <laughs> and Cameron says in her talking head, like, my advice is there's plenty of fish in the sea. Branch out. Take a day trip outside of Charleston. Like, come on. And some girl walks past and Thomas, like, tries to grab her. And he goes, where are you going, darling? She turns back around and he pulls her in and he's like, you have beautiful eyes. And she's like, thank you. He goes, do you like to be entertained? <laughs> he's like, there's no game. She's like, always. He's like, what are you into? She goes, boys. He goes, I'm into girls. I'd be into you right now. 
and then in his talking head, he says, I've just been rejected and I kind of want someone to say, hey, I don't care that you went to prison. And he shrugs his shoulders. And again, then you felt kind of bad for making fun of him. But in retrospect, you don't. We all know today. He's not the best person. Okay, so then Whitney arrives with Catherine. So, okay, so Craig liked Whitney. Whitney fucked Shep. She fucked Thomas at the, just before that or just after. And now she's arriving with Whitney. And in his talking head, he says, I met Catherine at the pool party and we hung around a little bit. And then I let her know about this party and said, hey, come with me. Um... And then, and Whitney's in like head to toe in black with long sleeves, and he's at a pool party. And in Shep's talking head, he goes, Every time I see Whitney at a pool party, he's dressed like a Muslim woman. You can only see his hands and face. And I thought that was a funny joke. And then in Whitney's talking head, he says it was kind of an eclectic mix of DJs, stoners, and whoever else decided to show up and drink for free. Um, Thomas says, Catherine Calhoun. Are you evading me? How have you been? And she goes, good. How have you been? I haven't seen you in forever. Because she hasn't seen him since they slept together. And in Thomas's talking head, he says, I haven't talked to Catherine um, in, I don't know, like two, three weeks. We hooked up one night, but I decided that she's not the right one for me. And then Thomas says, have you been thinking about me? And Catherine says, no. And he goes, not at all. I've been thinking about you a little bit. And she goes, no, you haven't. He's like, yeah, I have. Why wouldn't I? And Catherine just raises her, like, raises her eyebrows. She's got no time for it. And then in Thomas's talking head, he's like, clearly she's a little angry at me. I want to know what's going on. And he said, there's nothing going on that I need to know about. And she goes, really? Are you asking me that? And he goes, yeah. And she goes, no, you're a jerk. And he's like, wait, hold on. And she goes, we can leave it at that because you did he goes did what and she's remember he's he's so drunk (laughs) did what left it at that so i'm gonna leave it at that nothing he goes nothing she goes that's what it is and he goes did something happen she goes yeah he goes well let's go over here and talk a little bit and they move away from the sort of main area and she says to him Look, I am a good person, okay? I am not these girls who don't care. Actually, I'm like real. I'm like real. (laughs) She goes, I've got a heart. I am authentic. All good stuff. When you kind of get in that kind of position with me, saying those things, saying this and that, I look at you differently afterwards now. And he's like, just rambles a little bit. And she goes, you hurt me. And he goes, I hurt you? She goes, I thought you were someone who's genuine. He goes, well, I am. And she's like, oh, please. And then she leans in to whisper. And this is early day reality TV. So you're like, did she know that her mic could pick her up? Because at this point, I mean, I have a very different opinion in episode four, which we're going to get to. And we will have our first guest, which is so exciting. A guy out of America who's a good friend of mine. And I force him to watch reality tv so that i can talk to him about it and he hates it and i told him he hasn't watched any southern charm not a single episode and i told him he has to watch season one episode four and we are going to record that and release that this coming friday the 14th of august american time or saturday the 15th of august australian time 
Um, but yeah, so it'll be interesting to hear his perspective because I have a very different perspective on this next episode. But at least at this point, I'm like, I don't think she knows that her mic's picking her up. I think that she's being really careful and I think that she is hurt and worried. Anyway, so she leans into Whisper and she says, by the fact that you even put me in the position of possibly making me pregnant and then you're just like pursuing other girls, that's not cool. Which <laughs> sort of translates to like, Listen, yeah, I fuck around. We all fuck around, okay, <laughs> Thomas. We're gonna have sex. You have sex with whoever you want. I'm having sex. With, I've had sex with three people this week. They're all in this room. But um, if you're gonna dump loads in me, then it's exclusive. Like, who? You can't just make up rules and then retroactively fit them. Like, what do you mean? Anyway, that's fine. I mean, she is about. She's having a pregnancy scare, so she has a very different mindset to, you know, just having good old regular unprotected sex. We've all been there. Don't judge her. Um, and then in Thomas's talking head, he sighs and he goes, "I mean, we had unprotected sex, and that's a no-no." And then Thomas said to her, "I mean, what are you doing right now? Let's hang out a little bit." And they leave the party that she had arrived to with Whitney. And then in the next episode, Thomas and Catherine are having a pregnancy scare. Could be Thomas's, could be Shep's. The trailer ends with Thomas saying that to Shep that they will need a paternity test. Catherine is telling her grandmother about this. It looks as though the entire episode is focused on this pregnancy scare of Thomas and Catherine. And it's interesting retroactively because we know that they have two children. So when you're looking at this back and some of you may have the best memories in the world but some of us are a little faded right like a little a little a little rough around the edges and so maybe maybe this is when she gets pregnant because we know they have two children maybe it is just a scare who knows my opinion is very different from right now but at the end of this episode you're feeling mildly sympathetic towards Thomas and then you're like yeah hang on why were you mean to Catherine then he tries to make up for it and they go off together at this party and it's all well I mean who's where's poor Craig it only gets crazier from here see you next time